welcome to Fast Talk, the Velo News podcast and everything you need to know to ride like a pro. Fast Talk is sponsored by Quark, maker of kick-ass bicycle technology systems. Now, with Quark Prime, you can hit the ground running. Bicycle makers are shipping bikes with the new Quark Prime Power Ready Crankset. Add the affordable Quark D0 Power Meter Spider, and you are ready to achieve new personal bests. Ask your bicycle dealer about Quark Prime. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Fast Talk. This is Trevor Connor, the Velo News coach, here with my usual partner, Kelly Fretz. Hey, Trevor. Hey, Kelly. How you doing? Uh, I'm a little bit sick. I sound gross. I apologize, listeners. Put some, uh, put some disinfectant on your earphones today. I have arrived at Velo News to a plague going through the office, so I've been <laughs> limiting my time here, but we'll see how it goes. And of course, we have with us today, since this is a tech conversation, Kristen Legan. Hey, Trevor. Thanks for joining us, Kristen. Good to be here. So I am doing the introduction today because this might very well be the only contribution I have to make through this entire episode. Uh, we are talking about rolling resistance, and both Kaylee and Kristen were shaking their heads at the $10 tires I bought yesterday. Yep. <laughs> they look like a garden hose. They feel like a garden hose. I like them. <laughs> you would. You would, Trevor. You're going to get really strong using those in training. Yep. Yes, I am. It's like it's like riding with a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> because my fenders don't do that. Right. You already have a parachute. <laughs> So anyway, today, today we're actually going to go into something that, that has been changing in the world of, of cycling. Uh, we saw this change 10, 15 years ago, and we're going through it again, of realizing that what we've been riding on might not be providing us the, the best rolling resistance. Kristen has really dug into this, really understands the science be behind both the materials, the size tire pressure, how all these different things affect your rolling resistance on the road. So we're really excited to have her in here and to talk about this. And like I said, I will probably be sitting back here saying, but my garden hose tires are still better. <laughs> so yeah, with that... Trevor's going to play the retro grouch as, uh, as he often does. Uh, Kristen and I are, are more tuned into the latest and greatest in tire technology. And we should preface this with the fact that we both believe... That this is an area where you can actually see quite a lot of improvement. If you believe the science, if you believe the data, uh, we're talking about increases in efficiency, like wattage style efficiency, uh, uh, upwards of sort of 6, 8, 10 watts between a really good race tire and sort of your average training tire. And that is very significant. Anybody who trains with power knows that you can spend a good portion of a season trying to get 8. 10 watts. So this is something you should definitely be paying attention to. However, uh, that sort of ultimate rolling resistance figure is not the only thing that we want to be paying attention to. That's probably where I kind of come into the conversation in terms of real world application of these various tire technologies. You can get the fastest tire in the world. And as Tony Martin learned in the uh, in the Tour de France a couple years ago, when he double flatted in a time trial, that doesn't matter if you don't make it to the finish line. So I think a good place to start, Kristen, is a 10,000 foot uh, 
somewhat in-depth, but not too in-depth, discussion of what rolling resistance actually is. Right. So, yeah, we've all heard about rolling resistance, and you can kind of think of it in two different ways. There's two different kind of forces or things working on your rolling resistance. And one of those is your weight, the weight of your body plus the weight of your bike pushing down on the tires. So that plays one role. The other role is the impedance from the road. So, you know, think about the road vibrations from a from a bumpy road. You're going to lose energy in the in your movement forward when you hit those bumps. And that's an important concept that we're going to have to return to later because as we start discuss- discussing things like studies and data, it is important to differentiate between studies done on something like a smooth roller where the impedance is going to be close to zero uh, and sort of a, a more road-like surface. Exactly. So good example of that from the old days. I'm actually old enough that I remember back when people would pump their tires up to 160 PSI for a time trial, thinking it was making them faster. And go to races on horses. And there actually is some... Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Wait a minute. I race in Pennsylvania. People did go to races on horses. Um, There is some science showing that that higher pressure will make you a little bit faster. It's very marginal, but it'll make you a little bit faster. But you would get bounced over the road so much, you'd get so little shock absorption from the tires that you would see riders actually, their upper bodies would get tired, their arms would get tired, and it would ultimately hurt their performance because they couldn't hold a time trial position with that sort of tire pressure. Right. But it also, you know, besides making you tired and uncomfortable, it actually slows you down when you get to a certain point. And um, I think somebody, one study's calling it the break point pressure. And that's where the graph shows the higher the pressure you're getting, there's a point at which as you continue to put more pressure in there, you're going to get slower. So for a while, you're going to have less rolling resistance with higher pressure. But then at a point in time, depending on the surface of the road, you will then start losing speed, speed, velocity. You'll, you'll, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thanks. Kristen, before we go too far down this, these other roads, uh, I want to step back and get a, a, let's get a complete definition of roll resistance. You talked about impedance and, and how weight factors into this equation, but what exactly are we talking about here? So let's say that you're riding down the road to, and you stop pedaling and you keep coasting, taking all of the mechanical resistance out of there from your bike exactly. So what's pull, what's making you slow down? So there's two factors. There's air resistance, wind resistance that's pushing against your body and your bike that's going to help slow you down. But then there's also rolling resistance. It's the forces that are working against you. So without those, you would just keep going along in a vacuum. You know, you would just keep rolling along with nothing resisting your forward movement. So so rolling resistant has to do with your contact with the ground that is stopping you or slowing you down. And it's essentially a function of how much impedance uh, you are encountering and your weight. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. It all works together in terms of tire pressure, your contact patch with the ground and, and how that's effectively pulling you backwards. So how much of it is aerodynamics and how much of it is rolling resistance? It depends on your speed. Aerodynamics are always dependent on how fast you're going. I read somewhere that at around 10 miles an hour with a normal position, bike position, that's where your um, rolling resistance could actually cause a bigger change than 
aerodynamics. I don't mm. know if that's true or not, but it's something that I read. Probably somewhat dependent on position and things exactly. like that. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, so yeah, I've, I've heard that sort of at regular racing sort of speeds, you're looking at probably 70, 80% of your resistance is, is wind is the air and, uh, sort of the remaining, most of the remaining resistance is, is rolling resistance. There is some, you know, there's bearings and, and chain and, thing, and things like that, but it, it makes up a relatively small portion of uh, of your total resistance, and again, this is this is essentially everything that you have to overcome to ride faster. So this is the, the the smaller we can make these numbers, the faster you can go. It's it's pretty simple math once you once you really boil it down, and that's why we spend a lot of time talking about aerodynamics. It's why we spend so much time testing things in the wind tunnel. We should be thinking about rolling resistance, maybe not quite as much, but almost as much. So. We keep using the word ground. You've used the word ground a number of times already in this podcast. That brings me to uh, kind of the next next section that we want to talk about, which is considering your use, essentially. Considering where you're going to be riding, what you're going to be riding on. And to that end, kind of the differences between the real world and a lab setting. Right. So... Yeah, I think in order to think about the types of roads that we're riding, whether it's a gravel road or just a, a pavement with cracks in it, that kind of thing, let's stay, take a step back and just look at, in the lab, a perfect situation where it's a perfectly smooth surface or close to that, and then we can kind of take take a step back and look at the other types of roads. So in a lab situation, we find that in most in most cases, higher pressure is going to be faster. It's going to reduce the rolling resistance. Um, it's not a linear relationship. At first, you know, around 50, 60 PSI, you're going to see a huge jump. And then gradually, as you get up into like 170, 180, it's going to be smaller and smaller improvements in your rolling resistance. Per PSI, per so PSI. to speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm looking at this unfortunate study here where they sent subjects out on the road at 181 PSI. <laughs> And they survived. And they survived. Well done. Well done, riders. Uh, so so what is the ideal? Is is Have we determined sort of an ideal type of tire and pressure and width for in that lab setting? So like assuming that the road that you're riding on is smooth as glass, what is the ideal? Well, I mean, you can break it. There's so many factors that go into that, right? Like the construction of the tire that affects your rolling resistance. So but as you say, also the width of the tire. So people are doing more and more studies recently on wider tires because we're getting this change over to wider rims. Tires are getting wider. Everything's happening and getting wider. So they've done some studies and actually found that wider tires are, they produce less rolling resistance at the same pressure. And that's the one thing that we have to remember when we're comparing all of these different tire widths and tire types, everything has to be on the same rim at the same pressure. And so, yeah, so if you are in a lab, it's a perfectly smooth situation, a wider tire is going to be faster than a narrower tire. So before we started recording, Trevor, you were talking about tire footprint, which I think right. might explain why that is the case. So this is the way it was explained to me that really helped me to understand um, the physics of, of cycling tires. So in the literature, they talk about the footprint, which is the part of the tire that makes contact with the ground. And one of the things that's very enlightening to me is your footprint tends to be about the same size. So if you're on a 28C tire or a 17C tire, you're still going to have relatively the same size footprint, which means that if you are on that narrower tire, 
you actually have to deform the tire more to get that contact area on the ground. Because it's longer, essentially. Because longer it's longer and, and it's wider. Yeah. Well, so the tire, the tire is very narrow. Right. So it has to deform more to spread out. Where a 28C tire really doesn't have to spread out that much at all. Bicycle tires are not perfectly elastic. So for them to deform, you're actually going to lose some energy, and that's called hysteresis. So back in the old days when I was getting into cycling, you saw a lot of people time trawling on those 17C and 19C tires thinking, well, that's really going to reduce my rolling resistance. And it was actually the exact opposite. And that's why we all jumped back up to to the 23C tires because we discovered, well, you get less deformation. You're losing less energy and rolling resistance. So they're actually faster tires. And what you're seeing now, again, is they're saying the same thing of, well, actually, 25C is same sort of thing. Mm-hmm less deformation. And I think we can just keep getting wider and wider until a point where aerodynamics do start to come in and play a role. And so I think that in this podcast, we're talking about wide tires being 25, 28s maybe, but but as you go kind of beyond that, I think there hasn't been much research into exactly when is that break point when you lose your resi- rolling resistance advantage and you <clears throat> you because of aerodynamics. I had always heard that that the the width issue that the tire width issue was kind of a bell curve too. So you correct me if I'm wrong here, but there is a point at which, you know, you're going to get a wide enough tire that is no longer decreasing your rolling resistance. I mean, anyone who's ever ridden a fat bike is pretty sure about that one. Uh, and, and just sort of, you know, anecdotally, every time I put 32 millimeter tires on my bike, even if they're slicks, they, they don't roll as fast as a 25 or a 28. But, so, I, so where is that point? I guess is my question. Well, my question is, are you running those 30 mil tires at the same pressure as your 25s and 28s? Because that, that's a big mistake that we all make is that we think, Oh, these 28 mistakes, Kristen. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, it, it's something that when you actually sit down and look at the math and you look at the graphs and you're going, oh, of course that's that makes sense. But when we go out on the roads, we're not thinking like that. And so I said that just so you could correct me. Yeah. Yeah. You're that's, welcome, that's the Katie. only reason I said it. You're <laughs> no, actually, you're right. I hadn't thought about that. So, yeah, when I run when I run 30 or 32 millimeter tires, I run them at like 45 PSI, which I guess if I ran my 25s at 45 PSI, they'd be a little bit slower as well. So I guess that makes some sense. It, nonetheless, is there a point at which at which it makes sense to go with a smaller tire. I mean, we're talking about bike racing here. We're talking about riding as quickly as possible. At what width are we talking about? Where where does that where does that curve start to fall off in terms of particularly when we start to look at aerodynamics where we're actually riding a slower tire even if it has maybe slightly lower rolling resistance? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, maybe some of our listeners would know. I would say it's going to depend on your bike what it can actually fit Mm. and the rim options out there. So another factor, another factor that (laughs) comes into this is the, the tire rim interface. And so if you have some skinny rims with these giant tires, like blobbing out over the edges, that's not going to be fast aerodynamically. So you have to find the right combination and there's no great answer out there. I've asked a couple of, um, tire engineers from the industry and nobody has a, you know, real easy answer for me. One person said the 105% rule. So your, your rim should be 105% of the width of your tire. Inner width or or outer width? Maybe it's the other way around. Hold on. Just thinking out loud. When I said your, your footprint is always the same size. That's to a degree. You put a 17C tire on your bike, you pump it up to 200 PSI, 
you're going to have a very small footprint. You're also going to crash first corner you go around. Likewise, you put a, a 32C tire on your bike uh, and, and only pump it up to 30 PSI, you're going to actually have a very large footprint and you're probably going to uh, to get more rolling resistance from that, you're probably going to have some some frictional factors play in. Hmm. I also wonder if, as you get to, as you said, as you get to that wider and wider tire, you're going to have aerodynamic issues, and you're probably also going to have some inertial issues because the further out you get on the the wheel, uh, the more inertia is a factor. If you have a big, wide, heavy tire all the way out the end of the wheel, it's it's going to be hard to turn that wheel around. Yeah, that's actually a really good point I hadn't even thought about. Uh, you know, we do rotational inertia testing here at Bell News and putting bigger tires with more weight on the outside of the wheel is going to slow that acceleration and deceleration down. So with, if we're talking bike racing here, I mean, if we look at the pros, they've, they've obviously done a lot of research in this. Uh, in general, we're seeing something in the 25 millimeter range. From from pretty much every team, and that and that changed about uh, four or five years ago. I mean, I, I remember I was covering bike racing when it happened, so that I haven't been doing that for that long. Uh, I remember when when basically the entire peloton went from twenty three to twenty five over the course of of one summer, um, and that was largely pushed by Shimano actually, who, who came out uh, with with some new wheels, and at the time they were sponsoring like a third of the pro peloton, and they said. Essentially, we've done all the testing. 25 millimeter tire is faster on our wheels. And so everyone kind of switched over at the same time. Well, and remember that wi wider wheels are heavier. So the mm -hmm. Pro Peloton's not going to put on bigger tires that they, you know, if it's a small gain, they're going to get in rolling resistance, but it's going to be 15 grams heavier. They're right. not going to go for it. The only exceptions that I've seen to that sort of 25, 25 millimeter rule. Other than, you know, I've seen teams go 24, 26. That's sort of neither here nor there. Um, it's obviously races like Paris-Roubaix, where riders are on 28s to 32s generally. Uh, and and they're, they're trending bigger and bigger and bigger. And the other exception is time trials, where we're seeing riders run something like a 24 on the front and a 26 on the rear. And that comes back to the aerodynamic question, because front wheel hits the wind, rear wheel is sort of tucked into the bike, so you can run. The 26, which actually has lower rolling resistance than, than the 24, without the aerodynamic penalty. We actually spoke to Chris Yu at the Specialized Wind Tunnel about that, and, and he said for a time trial bike, the, the best balance between rolling resistance and aerodynamics, he was suggesting 23C on the front and then the 25 on the back. Yeah, so similar sort of situation. Uh, I think that Specialized doesn't make 23s and 25s. Uh, it's interesting that he said that. <laughs> they make 24s and 26s, uh, which might be why when I had a similar conversation with, I think it might have actually been him, uh, with Chris, he, he gave me the 24, 26 uh, numbers. I've also seen that in person walking around the pits at lots of pro bike races, um, you know, taking a look at what tires they're running. Uh, they also tend to run clinchers in time trials, but that is a conversation that we can, we can maybe leave for a little bit later. So Kaylee, you brought up a good point about the, about Perry-Roubaix and how you are seeing riders use bigger tires in those situations. And I think that brings us back to kind of the real world situation. So, so while we talked about the lab being higher pressure is almost always going to be better until you can't really go any higher. Until that break point. Yeah. yeah. When you get onto, you know, broken asphalt or you're on your co on the cobbles, that break point actually is l at a lower pressure. So the, the harsher the pavement, the lower that break point pressure where you start 
adding rolling resistance with more pressure. Mm. So you can kind of think about it, you know, with the same tire width, the same, you know, on the same rims, the worse the pavement, the lower the pressure you want to go. I think that's something we've all kind of grasped Mm -hmm. in a way, but it's just interesting to see some of the graphs that have come out of this and it makes you want to really go a little bit under that breakpoint then try and push it because it, it drastically it goes up very quickly. Right, because the data suggests that as soon as you cross over that point, you're really, really harming your your rolling resistance. And anybody who is who has been on a smooth road with a lot of pressure and then jumped on some chip seal knows exactly what that feels like. It feels really, really, really awful. Um it seems like a given that you would drop pressure for rough roads. However, it, it hasn't always been. I mean I remember uh, even a couple of years ago when, when the Euskatel Euskadi team was still around, they were sort of notorious for uh, the Spanish in particular, for some reason. I don't know why. I've heard this from multiple mechanics. Uh, I've seen it in person. The Spanish in particular love their high tire pressures. And then, uh, how, how surprising, the, the carrots, as we used to call them, the Euskatel Euskadi guys, used to also crash all the time. <laughs> It's not necessarily uh, a given, I think, uh, but it is an important point that you do have to, uh, after you've figured out what size tires you want, you have to really pay attention and match pressure to, uh, to the, the, the situation that you're, that you're encountering. So let's talk more about pressure. We've gone into this a little bit. I, when I rode Paris-Roubaix earlier this year, uh, I was running, I think, 28 millimeter tires. They were on a wide rim, so they stretched out. They were probably measuring closer to 30 and I ran 56 on the front and 62 on the rear. And granted, I weigh about 145 pounds, uh, and I ride pretty light because I'm a mountain biker. Um, never flatted, never had an issue, definitely hit the rim a couple times through the Ironberg. But for the most part, that was perfect. Uh, it was basically as, in that kind of situation, it's as low as I can go without flatting. That was, that was what I was trying to do. That's not necessarily a perfect analog for regular road racing. Paris-Roubaix is, is its own special, special animal. So if we're talking again about this sort of 25 millimeter tire standard, what kind of pressures are, should racers be looking at for their, their average, average weekend criterium or, or a weekend road race? Well, I think. And y- why? Yeah. <laughs> 327. <laughs> no, You may, you know, you, you mentioned how much you weigh and I think that plays a really big role in it. You know, it's hard to say for, for each person what their pressure should be. It should be, you know, it's a, it's a personal number that you have to figure out. Kaylee, we're pretty similar in height and weight. And I'd say for you, I would, I mean, I'm no expert, but I would say in that 100 to 105 range on 25s on a good surface. So that was actually a little bit surprising to me when I was reading some of the data I thought all of these numbers would be lower. I was expecting us to be like, wow, we should all be running 80 PSI because it's going to help with the impedance. That does seem to be the sort of the the, uh, the popular right. thing these days is to run lower and lower and lower. But that's not necessarily the fastest. Right. Yeah, I think it's still kind of that a little bit over 100 PSI for a you know 150 pound person on on your typical pretty smooth asphalt. It doesn't have to be brand new, but if, if you're hitting some chip seal or if you're hitting stuff that's really cracked and bumpy, definitely drop it. And I'd say into dirt the, sections into the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. once you get into dirt, I would say don't use 25s. I'd say use 28s, mm-hmm. go to 85, 
80? What Did you race Boulder Roubaix? Yeah, no, no, you were gone. I was at actual Roubaix. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> fancy. Uh, yeah, so I think I was talking to a couple of people who rode, you know, we have some pretty smooth dirt roads out here, but they're still dirt. And so I think the, the, the normal pressure around here is in the 80s, you know, low 80s for 28s. So I got to interject for one second. You said that you're not an expert on this. <laughs> you're a tech editor for Vela News. You've actually done testing on all this sort of stuff. And you're a professional cyclist. If you're not an expert, who is? The engineers creating all of these products? <laughs> I don't know. Fair enough. The people that we talk to. Yeah. The, the nice thing about being a reporter is you don't actually have to know anything. You just talk to the people that do. That's the, that's the sneaky part of our job. And then we get to tell everybody and seem really smart. And hopefully get it right. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get some emails this time around because this is a really complicated idea. And there's so many factors that go into tire creation, rolling resistance, aerodynamics, weight, types of materials used, TPI, all Mm. of this. So like, like all good questions, there's no easy answers to this. And it really comes down to figuring out what your goals for the race are. You know, is it strictly just, I want to go as fast as I possibly can do you want to be able to walk after the race um, or long ride or whatever you're doing? Comfort comes into play there. And then another thing that we, you know, I think we've talked a little bit about is with the construction of the tires, your grip on the road plays a big role in that. And also width, because wider tires or tires that have a good grip on the road are going to allow you to go through corners faster. They're going to allow you to kind of corner and, and maneuver through the Peloton easier with, you know, not feeling like you're just going to slide out. So so there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into play to make you a faster cyclist. Um, we've been just thinking about rolling resistance kind of in its own. In, its in own a vacuum. Role. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fast Talk is sponsored by Quark, the brand that connects bicycling's most talented innovators with the sport's early adopters. Power meters, Quark Collector, ShockWiz, and the Calvin app are a few of their great ideas. Quark continues to refine its fast-track pipeline for new products and innovations, so be sure to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Let's talk a little bit more about construction. Uh, and this, we can, both, we can talk about materials used, the type of, of construction used, the type of sidewalls, the type of, of you know, rubber used. Uh, and then also, the, the sort of the broader question is the old, the old clincher versus tubular debate, which we have, we've had many, many times before. Uh, we've discussed clinchers versus tubulars in the past, uh, particularly relating to things like, do you need tubulars to race your bicycle? And the answer to that is a definite no. Nonetheless, they're very, very different construction methods, and I and they do tubular versus clincher definitely affects the roller resistance of the end product. So let's talk about. Uh, so, so a couple of years ago, we we started getting this sort of spate of cotton sidewall race tires. Specialized makes some. Um, they kept telling us they were the fastest ones ever. Vittoria now makes a very nice one. I'm a huge fan. Uh, they're not particularly durable, either from Specialized or from Vittoria. But, man, do they feel nice. They, they ride so, so nice. Nice, I have no idea whether that's fast. They say it's fast. The data says it's fast. But I just know that they, they ride really lovely uh, at, at, my, at my chosen pressure. Uh, so over the last couple of years, we've come, I've come to expect anyway that these, these cotton sidewall tires are the fastest tires in the world. We've been told this by, uh, by multiple manufacturers. It's been confirmed in our own tire testing. It was confirmed a couple of years ago. However, even in the last sort of 18 months, things have changed once again. So Ben Delaney, a uh, good friend of all of ours, actually a former Velonews guy. We love Ben. Uh, 
uh, now works for bike radar and bike radar did a big, did a big tire test recently with the wheel energy guys up in, up in Northern Europe. Uh, this is a company that does independent tire testing. Uh, they've done it for us. They've done it for, again, for bike radar. They've done it for, for manufacturers. Anyway, Ben sent wheel energy's whole big pile of tires and the results that came back were, were interesting to me because again, I, I was kind of expecting to see things like the specialized turbo cottons and Vittoria's own cotton sidewall tires up at the top. That is not what happened. Schwalbe Pro 1 tubeless were the fastest, followed by Michelin Power Competition, followed by Zip Tangente Speed 28mm. None of those are cotton sidewall tires. In fourth place was the Specialized S-Works Turbo Tubeless. That was actually is, on the, just the smooth drum, though, because those got bumped down once they did the um, the rough drum, so the more real-world situation. True. So there's two sets of data here. Yeah. There's a smooth drum and a rough drum. So, uh, yeah, as soon as you get onto the rough drum, then the, the top three actually remain the same, but that Specialized gets bumped down. Uh, a Bontrager tire, the R4, gets bumped up. And, and, you know, we're talking, we're not talking about massive differences here, but so the Schwalbe on this test, the rough drum test is at 29.9 watts at, uh, with 50 kilograms on it at 40 kilometers per hour. So it's a very light rider, particularly a very light rider and bike. But nonetheless, the, the, the relative dif- differences should remain the same. Uh, that, so that's 29.9 watts for the Schwalbe. All the way down to, you get down to a Clement LCV, that's 36.1 watts. That's, that's 6.2 watts. That's not an insignificant amount of power. Granted, I think any of these tires up in the top 10 are probably going to be a really, really good race tire, and you're not going to feel any difference. But my point stands, which is that I was expecting to see these cotton sidewall tires at the top of the list, and that's not what happened. We have a tubeless tire at the top of the list. Well, I'm curious if during this test, all of these tires were run at the exact same pressure to keep everything equal. And so my question is, is that maybe the cotton tire, these cotton sidewall tires can be run at a, at a higher pressure because that, that cotton actually makes them a little bit more compliant. So you can run at a higher pressure and have the same feel and, and the same, you know, comfort on the road. So m- that's my question is maybe they're slower at the same pressure, but because you can actually run them, the cotton tires at the higher pressure, then they're actually faster in that way. I don't know. That's hmm. something. Interesting hypothesis. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. We may have to go test this on our own. Yeah. Not that we don't trust Ben Delaney but we may have to do our own tire tests. <laughs> there's just point. so many tests <laughs> to do. So, there's so many tests to do. So actually, so this was a great test. Like I said, we, we love Ben. I, I, I really, I enjoyed reading through this one when it came out. A couple of the other interesting points. Uh, he did a bunch of real world testing as well. He, he did some, uh, some ride, a bunch of rides up Flagstaff at the same power and some riding down Flagstaff. As he said, he rode as close to 250 watts as possible in the same position. Back-to-back runs. Climb is about 7%. And the real-world differences, the differences that he could parse out of that data, were negligible. They were basically nothing. Uh, and, and, you know, having ridden Flagstaff many, many, many times, I'll tell you that actually like a 6 or 7-watt difference on, on Flagstaff is it's, 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 it's a pretty significant, it's a diff, it's a, it's a 30, 30, 40 second time change over the course of the entire climb. Um, I just know that from riding it my, myself and, and seeing my own power data versus my times. So if this lab data is actually going to be implemented in, in the real world, if this lab data is actually going to apply to the real world, I would expect to have seen 
sort of similar differences uh, in Ben's real-world testing. I think it's interesting that we didn't, which comes back to our earlier point about kind of the real world versus versus the lab world and how at the end of the day, I think I think this stuff matters. I think that you can definitely optimize, but it's probably not quite as dramatic as it might seem at first blush. I think that there's so many great tires out there that, you know, if you pick any of those top five, ten that been tested, they're going to produce pretty similar results, and it depends a lot more on your tire setup. So the the pressure you're running and the wheels you're running and them on, that kind of thing. So while lots of the companies are putting lots and lots of money into developing the best possible tire, there's always going to be you know the, the, the best one out there that's going to make you the fastest, but I think that the difference between the top tires is going to be small enough that you can really overcome that by just dialing, spending the time dialing in your pressures. If there was one thing we wanted to get across in this episode is that when it comes to tires, labs might say one thing, but what you're seeing out in the roads, in the races, and with the pros could be something different. So we thought it was important to catch up with at least one pro and hear a little bit about what they think about tires and pressures and material and all the things we are talking about today before we launch into our take-homes. So we thought we'd ask Tom Skunch his opinion about tires and what he does in races, partially because we think he has a lot to offer, and partially because if you do three podcasts in a row, he gets a prize. So let's hear what he has to say. We're here with Tom's Squinch. Squinch. You got a smile. Squinch. I think you got it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, professional cyclist with Cannondale Dre Pack, two-time Tour of California stage winner. We want to ask you about tire rolling resistance. And I know that you're a sponsored athlete, so we're going to keep this from 10,000 feet, just <laughs> talking generalities. But how much do you guys pay attention to stuff like that, to to you know what tires are on your bike, what pressure you're running, the width tire that you're running? Do you work with mechanics? Do you chat with mechanics about that kind of thing? You definitely do. And uh, first of all, it depends on the race or the ride you do. If it's a training ride, I don't really much bother about it. I don't I like to run my tires tires a bit low, a bit more rolling resistance just because I feel more comfortable and the ride is smoother. However, in races, yeah, if it's a cobblestone race, you definitely run wider tires even though the rolling resistance is a bit bigger. But mostly now we do run 25s and uh it's because it gives you enough grip and very little rolling resistance. As well as it is aero, because uh, it used to be the thought that very skinny tires are more aero, but someone said that it's not. Well, someone tested it; it's not. So. Somebody, somebody with a wind tunnel. Yeah, somebody corrected everybody. Tunnel, corrected everyone. <laughs> so, twenty um, fives is the new, new way to go. And there's definitely teams that do use different tires for time trials. Just because that's where the rolling resistance really comes in handy. And that's the biggest thing. For in a crit, in a long stage race, there's so much so many other things that come into play that rolling resistance is not key. Hmm. We do pay attention to it, but in time trials, same as being aero, aerodynamic, it's as important as that. Something like a road race or a crit, you're more concerned with grip and comfort and puncture resistance yeah. and things like that yeah. yeah and 
overall you would i would choose a cassette that fits the course than a rolling resistance light tire right this also, the question I want to ask is, what is our priorities here? I mean, we've really been talking about what's fastest and talking about rolling resistance. There's a lot of other factors in races. So I've, I've mentioned this before, but for example, last year when I was down at Tobago, which is a, a very technical race, um, I was worried about my climbing. So I put, uh, I, for the race, bought a tire that was a Unfortunately, a 23C, and it was meant to be a super fast tire, but didn't have the greatest grip. Halfway through the race, it started pouring rain. I'm coming down a technical descent. I crash. I get hit by a car. I would have preferred to have had a slower tire that gripped a little better. <laughs> you so pulled a carrot. You pulled a Uskidel UCD, Trevor. Yes, I did. <laughs> That's right. They're all Basque. They're not listening. Uh, so. <laughs> but that's... In the real world, there's a lot of other factors. And, and what is the priority here? Is is it speed and rolling resistance above everything else? Or would you say for, for most racing, willing to give up a little bit of that to make sure it can corner better? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really unsatisfactory conclusion. <laughs> but, but it is the conclusion nonetheless. I mean, you know, we, we really can't we can put all the the numbers and data in front of you that we can possibly find, uh, including stuff. You know, if you go and search on Google Velonews tire test, we've done a number of them over the last couple of years. We've learned a lot from those. That said, we've also ridden all of these tires in the real world. And I think we've learned more from that. And I think that that is maybe the primary takeaway is that as long as you get a good tire, you know, and, and, just if you're worried about speed, just go on and, and check out whatever the latest tire test is. You know, one of us media outlets is going to do one at least once a year. Most recent is Bike Radar. We did one like a year, year and a half ago. We'll probably do another one in the next year or so. Go and Google and find the latest. Pick one of those top 10 tires. Pick a brand that you trust. Uh, pick one that you hear has good puncture resistance and just just go with it. And, and width, yes, we can say pretty definitively, if you're going to race your bike... Width should probably be somewhere in the 24 to 28 range, depending on, on course and things like that. Pressure, again, that's highly dependent on your weight. There's actually a couple of cool calculators out there. Mavic has an app now. Uh, Vittoria has an app. They both take into account your, your tire width and your rim width and your weight and a couple other things, and they'll actually pump out a pressure that you should be putting your tires at. Those are, those are super handy. And then from that point, you can definitely just go and... Uh, you can just kind of experiment. I mean, you know, I, I, I tend to like the feel of a slightly lower pressure, even if in the back of my head somewhere, the data is telling me I'm losing one and a half Watts. I'm okay with that because I like the confidence in the downhills. I don't want to be like Trevor, pull a, pull a carrot, uh, run it, run into a car in Tobago. <laughs> I would prefer to have a little bit more, uh, a little bit more grip and things like that. So I guess that's kind of where we wrap up today. Right. <laughs> I mean, are, are there any other, uh, like I said, that's just a very, this is a limp take. <laughs> limp take. Buy some good tires. Be happy. That's that's maybe <laughs> Play our, with pressure. Play uh, with pressure. Yeah. You know, here's where I bring in my retrograde moment. Yeah. As you said, in racing, I think when you're talking about one or two watts, you can say that makes a huge difference. I, I think you have to balance it. And most races, there's going to be technical moments. You're going to have descents. You're going to have to get around corners. And, and you need to factor all that in. And I would personally go with more of an all-around tire, which is what I've always done. That's uh, I've always raced or almost always raced on the Michelin because that's how I've felt about them. I feel, I feel they're grippy, but they're also fast. There's probably faster tires, but not as grippy, and, and it, it just gives me a good in-between. 
But the question I have is what about racing versus training? We don't care about training. <laughs> we only race. We don't train. <laughs> I've noticed. <laughs> Every time I go out with you, it's a race. <laughs> so just to make it clear that most, I mean, any of the tires that we've tested, most of the tires that we've tested recently have great grip on them. I I know, Trevor, you had your bad situation in a rainy situation, but I don't think we have to think, oh, well, it's a fast tire, so it's going to have no grip. Like most of those tires have good grip. It's more about puncture resistance and weight. And so, you know, you're, you're, you're sacrificing a little bit of puncture protection when you go to these lighter, faster tires. So that's, I think, the bigger thing versus grip. You know, unless you're going to be on really wet roads or icy roads and you need like those all-weather tires or, you know, something with a lot of grip – there's the the top of the line tires have have the grip that you need for racing. Agreed. Well, my limp take is super limp, and I think that Kristen has some actual takeaways for us here, other than just go buy some nice tires and be stoked on them. <laughs> uh, what else? What else can people let's give give people a couple things to do as they go back into their garage and start thinking about their own tires and rolling resistance? Well, I think we basically are talking. 25s, 28s, depending on who you are, what kind of races you do. 28s are going to be heavier, but they're also going to allow for a wider range to of pressures to use. 25s are going to probably be more of your all-around race tire. Find something that has the grip that you want. So if you are riding in a rainy area, maybe get some tires that have better grip. Um, there's plenty of like all-weather types of tires out there that are still fast-rolling but have a little extra tread on them. Continental. Continental. I'll say, yeah, I mean, so the (laughs) – Trevor just hung his head. I don't know why. So I've just – I've noticed this. This is a little – sorry to to interject here, but more and more pro teams are riding Continental, and there's a, like – there's sort of a rumor running around the pro world that Contis are the tire to have in the rain Mm -hmm. to the point where riders will actually have, like, another set of wheels with a pair of Continental tires, even if that's not their sponsor. And they throw it on for rainy stages. Like GC guys will do this. Did I mention what I crashed on in Tobago? <laughs> How old were those tires? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, I was, you know, I went to the Michelin tire launch last year, and we saw them testing in, you know, on a on a slick track, on a wet track, and those were pretty impressive as well. Specialized in their Gripton um, compound has been shown in in lots of tests. Great name, really, yeah. Great Gripton. name, Gripton. Um, Gripton. So yeah, so there's a lot of them out there. So for different riding conditions, and then thinking about puncture projection. So do you ride on really crummy roads that have lots of glass and that kind of thing? Maybe going for a little bit of a heavier tire that has a slower rolling resistance is going to be better so that you're not flatting out of every race. Mm. Making it to the finish much faster than not making it to the finish. Yes. 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 And then Silka uh, on there, they've done a really great job um, on their blog. Josh Portner, has, he used to work for Zip. He's done a lot of stuff in the lab, just really great information on there. They recommend decreasing your tire pressure 3 to 4% for each millimeter of tire width increase. So if you're used to riding at 100 PSI for 25s and you want to go up to 28s, then, you know, drop it to, what is that, 89%, that kind of thing. So Top tip. Thanks, Silka. Yeah. Thanks, Silka. <laughs> A little inside thing about pros and, uh, and tires is it's like clothing labels. 
Mm -hmm. It it is fashionable and pros will latch on to a tire brand and just their loyalty is unbelievable. The people who ride Contis, they do not want to ride anything else. And you'll see a lot of pros have their brand. That's all the ride. And they have brands that they hate. I have a personal vendetta against Conti. Sorry, Conti. I'm sure it's based on zero reality. Very, very loyal to Michigan. But you talk to pros, generally, that's what you're going to find. And it's often not really based on anything except they were in a key race. They got a flat tire, so they'll never ride that brand again. And they were riding a brand during a good race. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened to the Pro Peloton these days is is the the – so like Team Sky recently switched from Veloflex, which was not a sponsor. They just bought them all. And they may actually still buy their Contis. I don't know. Anyway, they switched from Veloflex to Continental after they had a bunch of rain crashes. I don't know if you remember Paranese a couple of years ago, like Richie Port went down and a bunch of other guys went down. Uh, and basically, they the riders were like, ah, we hate these tires now. And even though Veloflexes are great tires, and that was definitely not the reason why they were falling down. They were falling down because they were cornering at like 60 miles an hour in the rain. Nonetheless, they decided that that Continentals are the tire for rain. And like I said, the entire Pro Peloton has, has decided this regardless of whether it's true or not. <laughs> One of those classic examples of the pros. Uh, some of them pay really close attention to their equipment and some of them just sort of go by feel. So <laughs> a lot of going by feel in this particular instance. Yeah, and I think a lot of tire companies intermix their production. So whether it's labeled Conti, you know, what is it really? That's the big question. And sometimes you can tell by just the looks, but you just really never know. So that's garbage take, right? Garbage <laughs> take, Kaylee, about the pros. Uh. Yes. The, uh, <laughs> the yeah, that's particular, particularly common at things like Paris-Roubaix where like ah, three quarters of the tires that are there are not the tire that – has the name like they're not what they say they are basically most of the Berdugas and they say all sorts of different things they say Vittoria and Continental and all these things so definitely not any of those actual tires we're honestly not going to talk about training oh, we can talk about sorry training. that was limper than I wanted to sound <laughs> we don't have to we could talk about training all right so if you're training uh buy those green hoses no from yes. from uh home depot you can buy them you buy them like 200 feet at a time for like 15 <laughs> bucks and you just cut them up and you glue them on like tubulars no and they're great do you not just do listen it. nobody <laughs> listen to kaylee please kaylee's saying that because he knows i really believe that <laughs> trevor wants to do that if trevor could do that he would totally do it <laughs> training wheel. I mean, it doesn't matter how fast you go in training, right? I guess. That's true. Um, so some cheaper, slower tires are going to be great. But I think in that case, you want durable and tires that have a good puncture resistance because and, you just want to be able to use them for a long time. And get Mr. Tuffy's. <laughs> or stick another tire inside your tire. Yep. That's the other option. Oh, man. Cut the bead off an old tire, put it inside your, your new tire. And it was called the system. How often do you guys actually take or get flats? I like hardly ever get. Yeah. We also live in Boulder where like yeah. the, there's, you know, the roads are nice. We have bike trails and lanes and yeah. we ride in the mountains where this, the, the rain washes all of the uh, right. sharp stuff off. So Boulder is a special case. I mean, having lived in places where I got a lot more flats, I can say that mm-hmm. the Mr. Tuffy thing was, was, was good. I, this winter, I think I went four months without a single flat. I'm not the fastest guy out there because I have the Mr. Tuffy's inside garden hose tires, but I don't get flats. And when That's it's, in Toronto. 
And that's in Toronto, and you're riding over a lot of crap on the side of the roads. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I go four months without a flat in Boulder, but that's I, roll, you're not I ride like race tires. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the winter, I just ride a cross bike. So yep, that, tubeless. Yeah, exactly. Go tubeless. Yeah, I mean that's a whole nother. Oh, we yeah. won't even go down that oh, road. Oh goodness. But. Okay. Well, I think that's a good place to cut it off. <laughs> Let's <laughs> we not have to stop somewhere. We, we saw a rabbit hole. We decided not to go down it, and we're going to cut it off because I think that's plenty of talk about rolling resistance and tires. Uh, thank you for listening to Fast Talk. As always, we love your feedback. You can email us at webletters at competitorgroup.com. Subscribe to Fast Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Be sure to leave us a rating and a comment while you're there. And while you're there, check out our sister podcast, the Velo News Podcast, uh, which covers news about the week in cycling. And I am also on that one if you just love the sound of my dulcet tones. Become a fan of Fast Talk on Facebook at facebook.com slash News and on Twitter at twitter.com slash News. Fast Talk is a joint production of Velo News and Connor Coaching. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Fast Talk are those of the individual for Trevor Connor and Kristen Legan. I'm Kaylee Fretz. Thanks for listening.